This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,559, recorded August 2nd, 2000. Since I have been speaking about the matter of lying, I feel it my duty to tell you the truth, that in my opinion, the 20 pages, individual pages of news items I wrote tonight, in my opinion, may perhaps be the best I have ever done on your behalf. The first page is something I wrote a while back, but I'm going to go ahead and read it, and I may, you may hear me reread it again in the future. It is not really connected specifically with tonight, which is sort of funny, me saying that <laughs> itself. But consider this an introduction. To everything. A part of one man's inheritance was a certain ongoing operation, one which, as he grew to adulthood, occupied much of his attention. His fascination with the operation and its apparent structure was such that he continually contrived to mentally disassemble it, which he believed would lead to an understanding thereof. But certain conditions surround this operation, which a man neither anticipates nor ever recognizes, which makes it impossible for his mind to theoretically break apart a mental model of the structure into its component parts without his mind losing the capacity for understanding the nature of the ongoing operation. Put simply, the attempted study of this operation by the mind causes the operation to become incomprehensible too the mind, even while men can believe that they are making headway in the matter. The unrealized circumstances pertinent to this operation that preordains the mind's failure to ever understand it is simply the fact that the operation under investigation and the mind doing the investigating are one and the same. For the mind to properly conceive of itself, it would have to perceive of itself as a cohesive whole, which it is. But as soon as the mind attempts this effort, everything flies apart. It is the bird who never leaves its perch who remains intact and wise to the nature of life. Now the following, actually 15 pages. I consider, in a sense, like a Bakian fugue or a three-part invention. There are three themes and they almost alternate every third page. And at the end, I hope that you will conceive here in your mind a coda that brings all three sub-melodies together to one very pertinent point. I refer you, to begin with, to one of my previous models of man, whereby I limed his apparent I, not as being a single entity, but rather a partnership, which seems to consist both of an I and of something else entirely, which is difficult to describe adequately to his eye, but which it clearly feels is something other than itself. And this is my expedient partnership. For now, those who have personally considered this model to the point of profit, I say to you that the aim within this verbal structure is a merger. In legal terms, you go from a partnership to a sole proprietorship, which in mystical terms translates to this. An enlightened mind is a sole proprietorship accomplished through a merger of the previous partnership. In quite plain and practical terms, the name of the game is to consolidate. Consolidation, plain and simple. 
Just consider it, and I'm sure you'll feel it. You'll feel the need to consolidate. I say that no person tries, truly tries to awaken who does not work to come up with their own acceptable explanation of what they're attempting to do in this struggle to awaken thing. If the mind had a place other than itself on which to step, whereby it could step away from itself and see itself for what it is, awakening would be a snap. It's not possible to have objective knowledge of your birthplace until you go someplace and thus have a basis for a comparison. That is, to go to some other place. But where can the mind go that is not its natural born homeland? This is why I say that to ultimately get anywhere with this endeavor, you must come up with your own operational explanation for what it is. Just because you're told that the aim is to awaken, and just because your mind says, yes, that's it, doesn't mean in the least that you have any understanding of what's actually going on. If only the mind had some place whereby it could step away from itself and see itself for what it is, all of this talking about awakening would not be necessary. The fact, see, the fact that there is no such place for the mind to go is the secret knowledge dreamed of by the metaphysical sleepers. Long ago in court, the capital C, a difference was noted between the king seated firmly on the throne and the conniving ministers who were constantly scurrying about around him. And t'was put in a proverb, quote, Ambition moves, power stays put. And I offer a translation thereof as per your own inner setting, whereby there is the hunger and search for that certain powerful goal as opposed to the goal itself. And my translation is, Inapt action must stay in motion, even though its intention never moves, while the aim of its action never moves. Struggling for enlightenment is proof itself of one's lack of enlightenment. For failure continually shifts its position, while success is motionless. The search for it is an action. The discovery of it is not. Or if you would like to return closer to the original proverb, quote, my version, the incompetent struggle for power is always active, while the source of real power never moves. What those wanting enlightenment are, are actually after is a merger of their partnership, a consolidation of their mental resources. There are three categories of those who undertake the search for enlightenment. Those who undertake it but can't describe what they're doing. Those who undertake it who apparently can describe what they're doing. And then the other group. If indeed there's enough of them to constitute a group. The mind-breaking three-bank shot into the corner pocket is that once you understand what you're doing, you're no longer doing it. You're not really free until you're free from trying to be free. And only a mind that can step away from itself can understand this. Though not now discussed, there was once a path toward enlightenment which went by the name of Leave Home. Leave Home. Leave Home, goddammit. Leave Home. When you discover the actual path in your own mind, you find that there is no group or school there. Only you. Just you and your understanding. <laughs> 
now remodeling tip. The way to destroy a mystical system is to take the mystery out of it. Oh yeah, another thing. The way to get free of any illusion is to realize that anything the mind believes about non-physical matters is an illusion. Thus, the only way to get any use out of a mystical system is to take the mystery out of it. Just between me and you, anyone who believes that they are enlightened are experiencing illusionary enlightenment. And someone asks, but wait, if that's the case, then how does someone know that they are truly enlightened? Is it when they no longer know whether they are enlightened or not? Sir, step back. Step away from where you're standing. Crowd control can be such a chore. Is everyone still listening? Page 7. Each and every little time that you deny your own nature and treat what is yours as foreign to you, you lie. You foolishly attempt to deceive yourself, which in truth is not possible. No man is awake nor enlightened who is not himself. Not some new, not some extraordinary, not some metaphysical self, but just himself. In one quite genuine sense, the great liberation is in no longer denying who you are. You begin this journey by resisting sleep, and its completion comes with your mental abandonment of all foolish resistance, which is resistance any resistance to the realities of life. Continue to lie and deny your own nature to yourself, and you continue to sleep and miss the truth of awakening. Are you sure you listen? Page 8. As long as you continue to believe that it is your I, your conscious mind that directs your life, you will not only be confused and unenlightened, but always surprised by illness. Man's mind claims to understand that it is molecular activity that is responsible for the lives of such gargantuan and extraordinary entities as stars, and in fact for all of life. Yet the mind cannot, moment to moment, apply such a view to itself. Yet it knows that it can be no exception. Men easily recognize that it is molecular activity that runs their body. But then, in that regard, their mind plays a game of, Who, me? No, 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 not me. Just another perspective on that most transparent but un, unaccredited fact that a man who believes that he is his I is deluded. A man who believes that his I has a mind and consciousness lives in a dream. In case it is still not as clear to you as it should be, let me reinforce it simply as possible. The condition of the mind that makes some people long for a different one is due to man's normal mental life being run by an apparent partnership. Not by him alone, but by a partnership. And a strange partnership it doth be. For when examined, no two parties are to be found. Do you know the case of the great curious face? If its left eye tries to look at its right eye, this causes its right eye to disappear. When you first hear it said that while man believes that he is awake, he is not, you're embarrassed that you didn't realize it on your own. Then after trying to awaken for many years without succeeding, you're even more embarrassed. You're even more embarrassed. But then after you do finally realize what's going on, you're super embarrassed over the fact that you never really understood what... Being embarrassed is really all about. Time for a quick checkup.
Open your hood, listen carefully, and answer me this. Whenever you do something, anything, walk, talk, daydream, you put molecules in motion. But whenever you do something, anything, walk, talk, daydream, it was molecules in motion that made you do it. Now, can you answer that question? You're looking at me funny. One chap invites us to partake of his personally perceived conundrum. Quote, you have previously stated that a man would not be asleep if he would but shut up. But how can this be accomplished if there are two of you? For to my ears, even if I get one of me quieted, the other one will inevitably talk. Again, I highlight the need to consolidate as soon as possible. Okay, in case you didn't pass the previous checkup, let's try it again. Leave your engine running, open up the bonnet, if you're British. Put your ear close to the block and answer this one. Whenever you think or move, you put your molecules in motion. But there is no you apart from your molecules. So, answer me that one. You do realize that you're still looking at me funny, don't you? Ha! Huh. That itself is kind of funny. Me asking, don't you? When according to what I just noted, I should be saying, doesn't your molecular activity realize it? What do you think might result if you started thinking about your own so-called thinking in that way? Hmm. Yeah, you're right. You better forget about it. And now a little theological something as concerns the partnership, both on the internal individual level and the external one, twixt different people. Here it is. He who preaches to others will himself go straight to hell. The C word is always appropriate, but not the C word of condemnation but the one of consolidation, the consolidating of your preacher and that other part of you to which it wants to preach. Hell is a stockholders meeting. Paradise is a mom-and-pop operation in which pop is de deceased. I tell you again, your motto should be, why wait? Consolidate. If it is the truth that will set you free, then is it a truth that you learn or a truth that you learn to do? Will it turn out to be a matter of the mind or of the brain, of consciousness or of physiology? Come on, tell the truth. Do you really need to know more? Or to know how to do more. Remember, only knowing can lie. Doing cannot. And in an attempt to put together various aspects, the individual inventions, I assume, of tonight's news, one man began to ponder thus. If indeed... I do mentally exist as a partnership, then why can't my mind step away from itself? If it is in two parts, then one part should be able to step away from the other part and see it for what it is. Which he thought made sense, yet he couldn't accomplish. The man presently is frustrated and confused by not being able to do what seems should be possible as per the ideas that tonight have caught his interest. The next stage is for him to suddenly realize something from this inability. Careful as you keep trying to step back that you don't trip 
over your own feet, which you absolutely will do. And doing so without realizing it is the reality behind the motto of, or behind the notion of, a sleeping mind. Always tripping on yourself inevitably and never, ever realizing. Starting to get serious, page 16. Do you see the connection between the sensation of you being a partnership, the feeling that there is a you and that you have a mind as they relate to your undeniable, totally molecular construction? You are not separate from your conscious mind, and your conscious mind is not separate from your instinctive mind. Your mind, wherein the sensation of a you originates, is the result of molecular activity in the brain, and neither you nor your mind has an I that is not molecularly produced. You, in quotation marks, are simply a collection of molecules, and there is no you apart from molecules. There is not one group of molecules that is you, and some other group of molecules that is not you. Ignore old notions of a man's spirit or psyche or intangible personality. Look at the matter plainly and inescapably. Whatever you, I, or self you may identify as possessing, it inarguably is simply a molecular activity. Your entire life is dependent on molecular activity. And yet it is not genuine to say that your molecules control you, nor is it valid to say that you control your molecules, and that there is no you that is not your molecules. This is what the ordinary mind cannot grasp, then hold to. And someone says, but who the hell wants to be nothing more than a bundle of molecular activity? Only those awake to what's going on, sir. Just those pleased and anxious to deal with things only as they are. Some additional business law as it relates to a previously... Some additional business law as it relates to the previously noted benefit to shutting up. In a partnership... Nobody ever shuts up. Page 18. Taken to the basic, inescapable, molecular level, the partnership sensation comes from the mind's erroneous conception that there is molecular activity taking place in the body of which it is not a part. Quite simply, the conscious mind, part of the brain, that is, man's eye, believes that it and the purely instinctive and unconscious molecular activity responsible for all other essential physical operations are two different things. For instance, an ordinary man's mind says, I decided to get up and make coffee. But it never thinks or says, molecular activity made me get up and fix coffee and also made my brain's consciousness say that it was responsible. That two different entities of some sort exist in you is an illusion. That you accept this illusion as fact is necessary for a man's singular existence. To be free of illusion is to have an abiding mental awareness that all mental activity is as much a result of unconscious molecular activity as is the most basic of our essential physical processes. A man who thinks and says, I, and believes it, is a man whose mind is deceiving itself. Simply pay no attention to the lies the mind tells about you and itself, and everything becomes clear as can be. The notion of a sole proprietorship becomes a real possibility once you understand that it will never consist of the mind's eye, 
but is in fact unseen, unheard molecular activity, which of course is entirely owned by life. The ultimate activity and supreme, that is the ultimate activity and supreme proprietor. Why live deceived when you don't have to? And here's one man's latest ponder. Will the ultimate, the final, the big awakening be some idea that I discover to be true? Or will it be something new I discover to do? And page 20. If you're still lagging back, looking for excuses and explanations, then this. Part of the difficulty in holding the knowledge that the mind itself is nothing but molecular activity is that you cannot physically see it in action as you can, for instance, your hand moving due to the same kind of activity. You can't actually see stupidity and self-deception, but you know full well that you're ended up to your armpits most of the time. Face it, the reason you can't constantly remember that your mind and its thinking is simply molecular ac action is because you can't make the molecular action that constitutes your mind and its thinking remember it. Got it? You are what you are, even when you don't think that you are. And you are what you are, even if you do think so. Because whatever it is, because which, whatever it is that you actually are is what makes you either think that that's what you are or not. Hint. Stop listening to your mind talk and try to hear what your molecular activity is saying. And I most strongly recommend that you ask yourself the question, will the ultimate awakening be in something I learn or in something I learn to do? I am quite aware, if you're not, in case you think you missed it, several times, including just that last read sentence, was a veiled, unspecified reference. Put in the form of a question that I would assume that everyone who is not satisfied totally with whatever you seem to have accomplished in this, which I will assume includes everyone who's listening to me, my guess would be, and then I ask you to look at it, do you not believe that what is missing, that what you, well, what's missing, just in your case, is some piece of knowledge, that there's something that you don't know, that you hadn't figured out, that I haven't told you, that I don't know, that maybe I've told you and you just didn't hear it, but do you not feel as though there is a missing piece? that I may discover on my own that the final, the ultimate, the big boy, the big awakening, do you not, now that I ask, believe that it will be something that will be a mental discovery? Whether you get it from me or from somewhere else, perhaps by now you think that you will come up with it. Which you should. That should be your expectation. But... Am I not correct that you feel as though there's something with all this fooling around, all of what I'm trying to do inside of my own mind, trying to turn my mind on itself, etc., that the big awakening, the one thing that's missing, the one thing that will just put me there permanently and completely, will be that I, there'll be some idea, some fact that I just right now can't see or it doesn't fit, but it will hit me and this one fact will be the big awakening. Will it be that? Or will it be something that just as suddenly, which I don't think anyone ever thinks about it this way, or will it be something that you suddenly realize that you can do? That obviously you're not doing. As many ways as I've tried to put it, and even now digging up my old partnership after all these years, that concept. Does everyone in your own way 
what's underlying of what I'm saying is this should be true. But does everyone have your own realization that there is the natural sensation in all men of a duality in them? Even though most of humanity never thinks about it in those terms, or if they ever do think about it, it is very spasmodically. It is not part of their continuing thinking. But are you aware that the sensation, no matter how many different terms may be used to describe it, your mind, your consciousness, yourself, your personality, your individuality, your spirit, that any reasonable, just quick or brief examination of the matter would reveal I believe someone has to point it out to you. I, I don't know how many people would ever come up with, even though it's right there. But once it's pointed out, that you seem to, is, is not your sensation of you on a dual basis. And if it's unclear to a person, you say, well, you believe that there is you, and then you believe that there is, that you're you, that you have a mind. Or that you have a will. If they want to get a bit more verbally exotic. And people say yes. It is a transparent fact. But what is not transparent, and I'm asking you, are you aware of the fact that that one natural circumstance is the beginning, the end, as far east and west as you can go, of the whole idea of being asleep. Hard to put it very crudely. That's the cause of being asleep. Which is misspeak, but there's... You surely know what I'm pointing toward. It is the cause. A man would not believe that he is asleep. He would not hear that he's asleep, or he would not have been people like us. He would not have been unusually disturbed, dissatisfied, were it not for that fact. As far as I can tell, it takes most people's, almost their entire life, and probably all of the grit and determination they have in them, to in some way see this undeniable fact. But it's like the trouble of, I guess, trying to take a photograph and never get the damn thing printed. To get it fixed. Because there is no doubt. To any reasonable person. Any ordinary man. That if it's pointed out. That he in fact. Is two people. There seems to be. Two different either people. And if some pe some humans would. Resist that. And if I said. Right, there seems to be two parts of you. You seem to be of two minds. You seem to be of two natures. There's the good you, the bad you. The conscious you, the unconscious you. Don't make me drag it out. It is simply a fact that any reasonable human, if I found the right description, which wouldn't take me long, and he was listening, he'd go, yeah, I know what you mean. That is the natural, inescapable state of being a normal, sane human being. Anything other than that is not normal. You're outside the mainstream of the six billion people who populate the planet. You are sick. You are miswired. But it is that condition, as far as me using words, that I say is the beginning and end of what mystics have called being asleep, being deluded, being captive. It is that alone that drives us to struggle, so-called, for awakening and enlightenment and liberation. Also, as far as I can tell, and I've had more experience, if that counts for anything, if quantity does, I've had more experience, obviously, than all of you doing this. As far as I can tell, it is almost predictable that a man would spend his life, even if he got on that track, 
if I got his attention on that, he could easily spend out another 30 or 40 years and die still chasing that tail. I would suspect that here and there, he would have moments, mornings he'd wake up. I've recounted some to you that I said happened to me, whether it was, I mean, it literally or metaphorically, that there would be times that you perhaps had been working on this, had been distilling, fermenting down in your basement. And then one day, perhaps one morning, you wake up and you suddenly realize the dummy and the ventriloquist are the same thing. I am not a partnership. Except you see it all at once. And of course, when you see that I'm not a partnership, you don't even say I'm not a partnership. Because once you become a sole proprietorship, there's nothing to talk about. If you're a one-man operation, you have no partners. There's nobody to turn around to and go, well, how's business today? Or why are you late? Or why don't you help more? There's nobody but you. And Nobody. So perhaps Derek talks to themselves. That's an old joke. <laughs> that is, no sane person stands in their place of business and talks to themselves. There is nothing further to say. If you are, if your operation is a sole proprietorship, you don't have to be told to shut up. You no longer have to worry about do I talk too much. Should I be concerned about what I say? Should I be observing? As always, all of that was a waste of time other than the fact there was a method to get you to realize what was going on. You have to do something. But if you could consolidate, if you see that the partnership, the sensation that there are two of you, and I'm not sure, that's why I usually, as I did tonight, give several verbal choices because I found it useful. Because it would keep shifting on me. And at times, my mind would try to weasel out of it. That, well, wait a minute. I, I no longer think that I'm actually, to put it in crude terms, you may be the point that you say, well, I no longer am subject to the, I'm not laboring under the idea that I have a conscious mind and then a non-conscious mind and that they're both struggling and that some things that I do and say are driven by my, my, my non-conscious mind. You may say, well, I'm beyond that. It could be that you're just dismissing Western psychology. But if you keep looking, as long as you're thinking, here's the point, as long as you are thinking about any of this, even if you're thinking about, well, I'm no longer subject to that idea that there's two of me. By you thinking that is proof to the contrary. Because all you got to do is stop and you say, well, right, I was thinking that. Just ask yourself, was I just thinking that? And obviously the answer is yes. And so there's the proof that you still think you're two people. You said, I was thinking that. Of course, this is where it all flies apart to the mind. I was thinking that. Uh, no, sir, I'm sorry, you're wrong. In that sentence... You have structured the sentence as though there's a subject and an object. And no one realizes such a common sentence, but I guess it's what, what they call it, a reflexive sentence. The object and the subject are actually the same thing. It's like saying, I shaved myself. Then obviously everyone knows, well, I and myself are the same thing. You just use different words in a sentence such as that when you're using one reference to yourself as the subject and one as the object. I shave myself. Okay. I have a mind. It all flies apart. Or I think. Or I was thinking. Let's put, make the sense that way. I am thinking. No, sir. Thinking and I are the same thing. And you either get it right there at the point, which would be, I submit to you, if there is such thing as the instant enlightenment of the old Zen stories, there's where it happens. There is no other place. That's it. Except if you have any thought after hearing it, you do not, as you will notice, experience instant enlightenment. 
Because anything you think about is instant non-enlightenment. Blunt. Not even very subtle non-enlightenment. I didn't actually write it down, but uh, maybe some of you will find this might be helpful. Back to the old idea that seems to be, but it never goes away. The question. It seems to be an eternal battle, but the question over which is supreme in its influence over us, over a man. His heredity or his life experiences. Is one absolutely supreme? Are they, do they share the importance? If so, what's the ratio? Blah, blah, blah. No one can deny. No ordinary person's mind could deny the fact that if we take away the mind for a second, set it aside, that the rest of you, the rest of everybody, everything else going on is the result of molecules. Two or more atoms, which is, you know, of course, biologically taking it down to a discussable point, stuff talking about atoms, down to the molecular level. Everybody knows that knows anything. It's not arguable. It's just a fact. Everyone knows it that knows anything. That Again, disregarding for a second the mind. Everything else about you and every other human, everything going on right this second is the result of molecules. It is molecular activity going on right now that is responsible for your blood flowing, your heart beating, your breathing. It's responsible for everything. I know of no way to verbally take it any lower than that. That's why I used to make the joke that if you go any further, you've got to start talking about atoms. Mm. But this is not funny. This is not metaphor. This is biologically sound. I don't know how you would describe it any lower than that. That everything, every physical process going on in everyone is the result of ongoing molecular activity. It's just a fact. I don't know how any of you by now can fail to realize the, indisputed, the in, indisputable truth when I point out that the mind is no exception. I know that you can think about it, and as long as you're thinking about it, you don't have to face it. You can't face it. But surely by now, all of you, and if you can't do it, if it doesn't happen right this second or when I was reading it 30 minutes ago, if you'll just repeat some of this over by the time you drive home, it will surely hit every, each and every one of you that that's the own question. What goes on in the brain? In fact, we can narrow it down. I surely, if you know no more about the brain's operation than the little bit I've drug out earlier this year, let's leave out just the frontal lobes, the cerebral cortex, the rest of the brain's operation. There is no doubt. There's no question. It's not a theory. Everything else going on, that which is going on, that's seen down, that's making our motor activity operate. All the parts that the brain plays down at the old instinctive reptilian kind of level, subcortical, everything that the brain is doing, all of the directions it's sending out, which are constant, it is all molecular activity. That's all it is. You can't describe it any more basic than that. And you cannot describe it, as far as I know, any more correctly than that. But then you move just above the brainstem. Get above the thalamus into the, the mind itself. And what happens? Have you ever heard anyone in any way refer to molecules making them or causing them to make decisions. Of course, the truth is you don't hear people really talk about molecules make them do physical things. But you do know this. You can hear easily the truth of this. If asked, then all six billion ordinary sane people on this planet would agree that what they're doing physically, their instinctive activities, both internally and externally, that if they accidentally backed up against a hot stove while they were busy talking, and they don't think. They instinctively, as soon as their buttocks hits the stove, they jump away from it, 
Actually, that's a result of molecular activity. The same as molecular activity uh, that clues you when your bladder is full and it's time to empty it. It is molecular activity that is running everything inside of you and is also running your automatic instinctive reactions to the world outside of you. Every human on this planet will go, yeah. And if you say, how can it be otherwise with your brain, with that part you call the mind? It loses it. You have to explain your own, give yourself your own description. It's like a, something went by so fast you missed it. Or like it goes through your eyeballs so fast, so quickly that you can't see it. It goes through and it's out the back before you know what happened. The funny part, and I say funny on the basis that it should open your eyes, that I tried to wrap up the last several times that I went back to the reference in the writings to the molecular activity is this. Even if you get the mind, even if I drug it out and had longer, wanted to talk longer than that, and I was dragging out the fact that, and just talking to you the rest of the time on the basis that there's no doubt, it's not worth arguing about, there's no way out of it. What is going on in our minds, what's going on in my so-called mind right now that's making me be able to say what I'm saying, and what's going on in your mind, which apparently is you will assume listening to me, hashing it over, filing it here and there, reacting to it, all of that is nothing other than molecular activity. There's just no way out. It's not debatable. That's what's going on is molecular activity in your brain, in yours and in mine. But to believe that there is a you inside, your, inside of you, I always say inside your brain, but that there is a you inside of you, and then that you has characteristics, that you has possessions, such as you say, I have a mind. Do you realize what's being said? Again, inescapably, if you get the first part down, the mental activity, what we call thinking, is molecular activity. It's just not debatable. It's just a fact. Then to say, in this thinking that goes on in you, for you to say, well, I can hear that. For you then to say, well, I have a mind. If I say, how do you know that what I just said was true? And you say, well, I thought about it. And I realized in my mind it was true. Do you realize what you're saying? You're saying that there is a group of molecules, instead of making it a verb activity, you're saying that there's a group of molecules. You're already admitting there's a group of molecules in a certain part of my brain, and these molecules are me. They, they give me the thing of me. But then you're saying that then there's another group of molecules that are not me. I am hesitant to insult us by even referring to that as patent insanity. If you go outside the brain, assuming you don't have cancer, and actually cancer is natural to you, it wouldn't be there. But at any rate, no one looks beyond or below the brain, the cortex, and believes that, well, there are certain molecules down here in my stomach, down in my somatic cavity. There are certain organs and activities down there that are my based on my molecules, their activities of my molecules, but by God, there are others that are not. It's insanity. But to continue to embrace the sensation, the natural sensation, that you have a mind, that there's you, because you know, you're sitting there now thinking. I have to look out at some of you, some of you are you know, leaning over, you got your hands on your chin, and you're, you're thinking about what I'm saying. It's insanity. You're saying, you're literally saying that there are molecules that are you. And then there are these other molecules that are not actually you. There's something else. It's a better name for being asleep and deluded. Just call it what it is. It's insanity. <laughs> but then back to the old struggle, the old argument about Who's in charge? Or what, what's the real 
driving force in man, his heredity or his life experiences. If you get a, a view of this, it just blows everything up. Well, it answers everything. It makes everything clear. Because you can't say that there's a you that's controlling your molecules. If you are not separate from some other group of your molecules, but neither can you say that your molecules are controlling you. You know, if you tried to say this out in public, if you had a big forum, if you spent a millions of dollars and put out billboards and full-page ads, or if I was in a group of, around psychologists, ordinary, educated people, and I said something like I'm talking about, about the molecules are responsible for everything we do, including our mental life, our spiritual life, our mental life, our, our complete inner life, do you realize that somebody would immediately... Some nice ordinary person will go, well, once you start down that road, the next step is you're going to excuse all human behavior by someone saying, well, I couldn't help that I murdered someone because my molecules made me do it. If our molecules are responsible for everything, if they're responsible for our, our liver putting out bile, and then you say they're responsible for everything else, that so we have no mind, we have no will, it's simply molecules, then someone could engage in absolutely hard unspeakable behavior and say, well, hey, my molecules made me do it. I wouldn't bother to reply to that. Do I have to say anything to you people based on what I've already pointed out? That sounds okay. I mean, not that it's necessarily true, but it sounds like a reasonable complaint. It sounds like the kind of complaint that deserves a retort. That deserves, well, yes, I know what you're saying, but let me try to explain it. You would have to be insane to respond to that. That is, you would have to have no notion of what I've been talking about. To say that your molecules made you do something, we're back to this. You're saying that there's one group of molecules that is me. Okay. And then there's this other group, somehow, this collection of molecules that's not me. And it's this other group that's not me that made me do that thing. Because I would not have done it. I'm here testifying in court. I'm telling you, no. There is no way I would have killed my girlfriend. Never. I was crazy about her. Something came over. My molecules made me do it. Or as it would be nowadays, they'd say, it was my genes. My heredity. That would be the excuse. But I'm taking it more to a unassailable, undeniable level. They're calling it molecular action. Or my molecules, the molecular action in me made me do it. But you understand you can't say that. Not if, you, not if you see what's going on. You can't say that my molecules made me do it. Any more than you can say this. That I was sitting down and decided I would get up and make some coffee. I thought about it. I thought, well, I've been drinking too much coffee. I read another bad, another article with uh, cautionary statistics about coffee drinking. And I went back to reading, and I thought, God, it tastes good. And I thought, well, I thought, well, shit, you know, you're going to die or something. And I don't drink that much. So then I decided to get up and make some coffee. <laughs> then you put, anything we do, you gotta, you're back to this, it's molecular activity. There are molecules in motion. Whatever you do, even if you're sitting still, you're breathing. Your blood circulation is based upon molecular activity. When you actually engage in behavior, when you move, it's because molecules are moving. It's not a theory. It's not a debate. Molecules are now moving in your muscles. But this was not an instinctive act. You sit there and pondered, should I get up and make coffee? And then you decided, I will. So, if that's what happened, then you put the molecules in motion that made you get up and go make coffee. But we're back to this. That means that there is... Molecules, there's a group of molecules in you that is you. There's a group in me that's me and so on with everyone. And then there's a group of molecules in you that are not you. And since molecules must be put in motion for anything we do, all the way from walking and making coffee to daydreaming, it has to be molecules in motion 
So you're saying that it wouldn't happen unless I put my molecules in motion. I decided to do it. I willfully, I weighed the possible consequences of drinking coffee, plus I didn't want to get up. Now I thought, well, it sure would taste good, and I'm a little slow. I weighed it all, then I decided through an act of will, I mentally, this was not instinctive because your instincts probably wouldn't drink caffeine left their own devices. Or you can say, I go and get up and make myself a, a highball, a mixed drink. Your instinct certainly wouldn't do that. So you say, well, I put the molecules in motion. But you're back to this. That means that there's one group of molecules in you that make up you. And then there's a group of molecules that are not you. I repeat to you, call it what it is. Don't call it being asleep. It's being insane. Any sane person knows that that's not true, if it's put that way. I repeat, I don't know how long, if you really apply yourself, I know how long it took me. And it's still not an easy thing, because you think just finally, you can't get this mind to latch onto that and see it. You understand? Because what it does is shut it off. You're awake. Because your mind, it's not a matter of that I'm going around and constantly, which I wrote in there, which is not possible, but it's the attempt. But you can say, well, I, or I can say that you would not be asleep if you could just be aware constantly that what's going on in you, in your mind, your whole conception of you thinking, your whole conception of you being conscious, what men call consciousness itself is molecules. It's a molecular activity. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. That I said, if you could be aware of that constantly, then you'd be awake. But you know, the tricky part is, your mind can't be aware of that constantly. If it is, then you're awake. And you wouldn't be listening to this. Do you follow? The point is for me to say, well, try to do it. Try is the word, because you'll never succeed. Oh, you probably succeed. I hope you do. But when you succeed, you're awake, and all this you forgot about. It means nothing. Then we're back to that one that all of you enjoy so much that as long as you're trying to wake up. I shouldn't be that blunt. I, usually I say as long as you're trying to wake up, you can't. It's as long as you're trying to wake up, you won't, is a fact. But then the fact is, well, if you don't try, you never will. Anyone who says that doesn't make any sense, you still think that you are some group of molecules in you that are separate from other groups. I don't know a prettier picture. I have not experienced, every time I do this, every time I return somewhere and come up with a new way of doing it, but at the, calling it what it is, molecular activity, I personally don't know of a more basic, direct manner. But even after all this time, I can sit and think about this, so to speak, God forbid, or when I was writing about it. Let me put it that way. As I was writing this today about all of that, it was just a constant day of fun. As long as I was sitting there, it just continually delightful to see my mind go into a state, in a sense, shock. That see it, and then your mind go boom, to do, to do, to do. Let me realize what happened. And it's not because you're stupid. It's not because your mind is uncontrollable. You simply can't tell the mind. Right now, try it. You can't tell your mind. You can't tell yourself. All right, I see what he's saying. It's true. Right now, what's going on in my head that I'm thinking is me thinking, it's molecular activity. That that's all me, what I call me, and what I call thinking, that's all it is, molecular activity. All right, if you have any thought after that, then so you lost it. That is, you lost the awareness. Plus, I like the picture. This is strictly theoretical because it would not happen to the likes of us. But it could physically put you in gridlock. Wouldn't it? I started to write a fictitious thing about one guy complained. They said, what if I did take your view? What if I did see it that way? And I realized, right, I'll get make coffee. And I thought, wait a minute. I'm not going to get up and make coffee. I don't want coffee. It's simply my molecules. I'm going to make my molecules get up and make coffee. And then I think, well, wait a minute. There is no me separate from the me. 
there's not some group of molecules that my me molecule group is going to tell the rest of them, all right, you molecules, get up and do it. There is no other group. So wait a minute. It's impossible for me to make me do anything. I can't make me do anything because for me to make my molecules move and do it, my molecules have got to already be moving to make me say, let's do it. And there you'd sit frozen. Never to move again. <laughs> like that furnace with someone just playing with a the thermostat back and forth just constantly to where it just shuts on and off, on and off, on and off, on until it just shakes to death. You know, finally, it's just an inert rubble, pile of rubble. That's real close to being awake, I'd say. I like that. Inert, inert mental rubble. That's it. There's a counterweight to these ideas of some great blinding flash of light behind a Bodhi tree silhouette. Uh, the shining one big eye with some kind of spot or, you know. Nah, I see this inert pile of mental rubble. But see, that's the ultimate consolidation. Pull it all together, and there's nothing to it. Pile of molecules. Yeah, but it's me, damn it. I'm sorry. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.